Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, Earl Knickerbocker. I'm Mariah Rose. I feel like you've already used Knickerbocker. Knickerbocker. Oh, then my bad. Sorry. Yeah. Good one. Welcome to Laser Graves. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We are a 80s podcast. If this is your billionth time listening that's weird because we don't have a billion episodes well maybe they're just listening to the same yeah, you know, hundred and whatever <laughs> why are you so obsessed with me this week we are returning to one of our favorite genres of film rock exploitation and in particular heavy metal horror <laughs> <laughs> for my friends out there that know me really well and for the people who just kind of uh, follow me on Instagram and know my my types of movies. I share a lot of post-apocalyptic because that's what I collect. But my my real passion and love, the core of my collection, is absolutely heavy metal horror. Mm-hmm. And this is a big one. This is top tier heavy metal horror. So if you're gonna watch that anything from that genre, this is gonna be one of the must watches. And okay, we have done a lot of rock exploitation over the years on laser graves because mm-hmm. we love it. There's still a few big ones that we haven't gotten to. Well, I guess big in my mind. Rocktober yeah. Blood we haven't done yet. Haven't uh, we? No, we haven't. And we haven't done Lone Wolf yet. I did. I guessed it on Super Tat Film Club for Lone Wolf, but we haven't covered it. What was the one with the pumpkins and the grandpa? Yeah. Oh, Hack-A-Lantern. Yes. Okay, that's not Rocktober Blood. Okay. Well, we've done a bunch. I mean, when I so for those of you who are maybe new to the show, these are old episodes you can go <laughs> back and listen to if you like uh, rock music or whatever. <laughs> we've done Monster Dog. Oh yeah, Dallas Cooper. That was early. Very. I think that was like our fourth episode or oh, something. Oh, that was back when I kept announcing myself as Lord of the Dogs. Yeah, back in the old days. I still feel it in my heart. Don't worry. We did Voyage of the Rock Aliens, a very fun one. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Vicious Lips, which we love. That was an early one, too. Did Trick or Treat, of course, my all-time favorite horror film. Wait, is Vicious Lips rock horror, or is it rock It's rock exploitation. No, that's kind of, that falls under the umbrella, but heavy metal horror is very specific. That's Trick or Treat. Oh, this is complicated. I just love movies that have bands in them. That's kind of my my main love for for VHS Mm -hmm. collecting is anything that has a band in it. So Driller Killer, all those kinds of films that uh, maybe don't come to mind right away. Okay. We did Rock and Roll Cowboys, that weird deep cut from Australia. Oh, goodness. Yes. Shock Treatment. Yep. That was actually a really good episode on Richard O'Brien. Like you mentioned, Hack-A-Lantern. We did Hard Rock Zombies. Did we? What's that one? That's the one with the zombies that oh. are in a band. Uh-huh. Street Angel! <laughs> That's a good soundtrack. Right. <laughs> so this week we are doing the one and only Black Roses. Mm-hmm. Mill Basin is a nice town with good schools. Julie, what did Emerson mean by the Red Slayer? Emerson? But trouble's coming to Mill Basin, and this town will never be the same. If rock and roll is the devil's music, then Black Roses is the house band. I mean, last week, all they could think about was midterms. Now it's Black Roses. I love you, Dad. There's something going on in this town, and you gotta help me stop it. Where have you been? Did you go and see that show again after I told you not to? You have to come with me to that concert tonight. Now, I can't explain it. I think they're doing something to the kids. Controlling their minds. I I can feel it, Neil. I brought you a present. What the hell is going on here? Do it like 
hottest band this side of hell is coming to town, and they're saving your soul a seat. Black Roses. Okay, Black Roses. For fans of metal horror, this is on the same level of Trick or Treat and stuff like that. Like, this is one of those. Mm -hmm. This was a first-time watch for you, Mariah. It was. I can't believe I hadn't seen it until yesterday. Yeah, I couldn't either, and I knew you would love it. I knew it the whole time, and we've mentioned doing it a couple times. Yep. But I like to kind of spread out the uh, the metal horrors. I don't want to put them all together because they're so precious to me. <laughs> and I gave you a couple films to choose from for this episode. And you went no hesitation with Black Roses. Yep. <laughs> and I was glad you did because I was excited for you to watch it. And I felt like we'll get to it at the end that it lived up to your expectations. I was excited for me too. Good. <laughs> well, this was directed by John Fasano, who is a return to our podcast because one of his first films, maybe it was his first, they came out at the same exact time, but uh, Zombie Nightmare we covered a while back. That's the one with Thor. Yep, that's the one with, with Thor, who, so the same year, 1987, uh, John Fasano also did Rock and Roll Nightmare, another one of our favorite rock horrors. I think Zombie Nightmare came out first, but I'm not sure. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know either. They came out at the same time. Regardless, that's who we're dealing with, John Fasano. And I think we covered him a little bit in that episode. Sadly, Thor is not in this movie. I know. That he would have been, like, been a perfect fit. Why wasn't he there? Would have been a great trilogy. We did Zombie Nightmare. We have not done Rock and Roll Nightmare. So we do. We have a couple big ones up our sleeves we still. Do. <laughs> we'll get there. Like It takes time. That's who directed it. Also kind of co-wrote it, but it was written by Cindy Sorile, and she was a writing partner. I don't know if they were like in a relationship or whatever. I don't know what the story is, but she okay. worked on Rock and Roll Nightmare also. As the story goes, with, the, with kind of the backstory to this, mm-hmm. how it came to be, is that the success of Rock and Roll Nightmare, I know that sounds like a shocker. Resounding <laughs> words of praise from around the world. But he had 53000 to make that from his investor, who was uh, Shapiro, we'll talk about later, gave him 53000 and Rock and Roll Nightmare made like $400,000. Hmm. Yeah, it was kind of a sleeper hit. Okay. Like this cult hit. That's and, solid. Yeah, it's super solid. And because of it, Shapiro came back to him and said, "Hey, I'll give you, you know, four hundred thousand plus to make your next yeah, follow-up." Yeah, quadruple which is, my money, no problem. Yeah, for the first time ever in Fasano's career, like real money to work with. And Shapiro, at the same time, some people may know that name, had just teamed up with his production partner Glickenhaus. So Shapiro Glickenhaus, who did Frankenhooker and all these kind of Basket Case, those types of films. Mm. That's who we're dealing with. So they gave him the money, a lot of money to go to town with, and said, just make us another horror movie. And John Fasano thought, well, cool, I'll just make another, you know, metal, heavy metal horror. And he teamed up with Cindy, and they kind of cooked up this idea, which was, you're right in the throes of the satanic panic. Tipper Gore's whole, you know, court hearings and stuff were going on about censoring rock music. and Gotta censor it. All that kind of stuff. So he was like, well, this is perfect for the taking. However, what if we told a story where Tipper Gore was right and it really was demonic music? I like it. And what if we took it a step further and Satan was the lead singer of the metal band that's corrupting our youth? So I really, at the core of this all, really love that whole idea. So they were really and truly playing devil's advocate. Yes. But that's how they came up with the whole idea the interesting story that I read in an interview with John Fasano was that Cindy, though, took it in a weird direction and made it like a psychological horror about corrupting the youth and what it would do to a town if the youth started to kind of go crazy. The through. town would fall apart. We need our youth. And some of that stays in, but we'll talk about how it changes dramatically as the film goes okay. on. <laughs> They were given 21 days, and this was shot in Hamilton, Ontario. A, this is another Canadian, of course. Oh. Well, because the other two were also... Uh, duh, Thor was in it. Thor! <laughs> Sorry, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he knew that there were some good tax breaks, and he now had a crew in place. Like He had his, his yeah. gang to make the film. Um, also, can we just pause and admire the title, Black Roses? 
cool band name. It's a great band name. It's almost as cool as Stone Roses. Yeah. Although in the long run, if I was to have to stick with one, I would stick with Black, Black. Roses yeah. for sure. Way gothier. Yeah. And their logo is pretty cool. I All the, the kids will get to, but all the kids in the audience have this bitchin' t-shirt, Black Roses t-shirt with the skull and the rose. And Skull's a little cartoony. I would have gone more serious. It is, but I still would wear the hell out of that if oh, I yeah. had it. So For sure. <laughs> and I'm kind of jealous that all those extras that are just boomers now all had one. And oh, if you're a boomer and you were an extra... And you and don't want the shirt. We know you're Canadian, so you're very nice, eh? Yeah. Just send it our way. Yes, <laughs> send it. And then if your mom asks... Like, if you're the uh, the child of a boomer, steal it from your mother. And when your mom asks, where did my Black Roses shirt go? Just say, sorry, Ma. <laughs> you forgot the groceries. Uh, look, sorry, Ma. <laughs> wow. Thanks for taking that journey with us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well... Let's talk about how it opens up, because right away, I can tell you, first time watch for you, I was so excited, and right from the opening title sequence with the animated title card, you looked over at me with this, like, dorky grin, and I was like, wow, she's already in, and the movie just started. Yeah, it was great. Actually, I was in with the previews, because there was a movie that was previewed prior to called Obsession. I don't know, something with a photographer. Oh, it looked good. It looked so good. And at the end, the guy was like, Obsession, Obsession, Obsession. (laughs) Yeah, it was like a New York high fashion avant-garde scene, but through the lens of like a Mirror Mirror movie. Oh, it looks so bad. (laughs) Anyway, that's neither here nor nor there until we find it. So put that... On the back burner, yeah. Because we'll come back round, we'll circle back eventually. Oh, yeah. But Black Roses opens at a concert, and we see a band of monsters. Like That's so great, pure monsters. They're playing, and the audience is like freaking out. And like outside, an old guy comes up, and he's like, "We're shutting down the show," and the audience busts out. I mean, first of all. Like, rookie mistake. You don't close down a concert mid-show. Yeah. That's a bad idea. So bad in this instance that you are flooded with the tidal wave of monsters. <laughs> yeah. That was problematic, huh? Oopsie-daisy. It bad is choice. great, though. It really does get you right away at the beginning. You There's no question what kind of film you're going to be watching. Right. And I was wondering if this was something like a band like Guar, where they perform. In, oh, in costumes. In costumes. Like, they're just like, we're monsters, and our audience comes like juggalos or something. <laughs> Interesting. We'll get back to Guar, actually, later in this oh, episode. okay. And then let's skip ahead. We have two sports cars. I don't know. Maybe they're Lamborghinis. Maybe they're Porsches. I don't know. You don't know your cars? You know what? So, you know when in, like, eight, no, not even eight fifth and sixth grade when you'd play mash yeah and you'd have to fill out the section where you picked your cars um i had learned to that lamborghinis and porsches and rolls royces were expensive cars and then at the end i'd always put hippie van (laughs) (laughs) and that was the one i really wanted and i had no idea what the others were you know what i always think about when i think a lamborghini beyond it just being totally 80s do you remember when we were babysitting for somebody and the dad had like his man cave in the garage? Oh, yeah. And he had all those like Budweiser chick posters. And one of them was a Lamborghini with a bunch of girls with thongs yeah. like posing on it like they were being arrested. That was weird. <laughs> That's all I think oh, of now. <laughs> yep, they were. They were posing like they were being arrested. That's funny. <laughs> Okay, well, anyway, they pull up in those cars, and there's a couple of those chicks in the cars. Yes, and the band gets out, which is kind of weird, and they start putting up their own adverts, like just hanging them around town, little posters. Yes, with the lead singer's face all over the flyers, Damien. Damien. You know, we can talk about it more at the end, but my only issue with Black Roses, because I love this movie... Damien's like a dork. He does not look... No, he just does not have the look at all. Sal Viviano. He's not Sammy Kerr. Like, he doesn't have that cool, 
rocker look. He looks like an actor pretending to be a rocker. He does a great job. He looks like he's in a panty dropper band. He does, but it just doesn't work for me. And I just... It's a little Winger-ish. Like, you know, like he's in Warrant or Winger. He's not in Lizzie Borden or something. Yeah, this band is... Well, the lead singer in particular, he definitely feels like he's he's been finessed. He doesn't have the hard edge that you prefer. No, but we will get to the band later on. And the band is pretty awesome, actually. It's just one of the little hangups is I just I don't take him seriously as this, you know, m- metal god. He just he's like a slick 80s dude. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He looks like he has a loft. You know, that he goes to and, like, a sexy girlfriend who wears a lot of cheetah print. Yeah, and, like, he wears white pants and boat shoes a lot. Probably has a pink thong. (laughs) Oh, he totally has a pink thong. Okay. And one of those, like, teal mesh tank tops. Oh. You know. Yeah. Hangs out with Don Johnson when he's not, you know, corrupting the youth. And the black uh, shades from the 80s that have, like, hot pink sides. And then you have, like, a... Like lime green, um, like holder. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the kind so that you can just wear it, wear your sunglasses around your neck. Totally. Okay. We've got him figured out. Solid. Now let's go to high school. But let me take you there and paint you a picture. Imagine you went to a high school where all of the students were thirty-year-olds pretending to be fifteen. I can imagine that. If you've seen Lone Wolf, you can imagine them all as 40-year-olds. <laughs> well, this one, they're 20s to 30s, let's say. Yeah, they were definitely younger than Lone Wolf, but it's still pretty old. Oh, yeah. And these high school teens apparently only have one class, English yep. class, and they're all gathered together in their English class, and they are mad because the adults want to end this concert that's happening. And there's been like a, I guess, a long period of time or never ever has there been a rock concert in in mill basin yeah let's talk about the english teacher he's one of my favorite parts of this film i think he's a really natural actor like yeah he's he does good really good in the in the role and not in a cheesy way like he just plays the part really well yeah he wasn't the original cast but they couldn't get who they wanted and he was a, i think a soap actor who mm-hmm. ended up playing him a lot of these actors dabbled in soaps. And I didn't uh, double check this, but in the interview with John Fasano, he said that this guy was the Marlboro Man. That's what? Where he got it. Yeah. I didn't see that, but I just did a cursory glance over yeah. this. I really liked him. And uh, John said he is based, this character is based on his English teacher, who huh. was this super cool uh, teacher who was one of the only ones who kind of understood the kids and actually cared about them. So he wanted to write this character in as the hero who was this rad English teacher who actually cared about his kids. I had kind of a cool English teacher, but in a different way. Yeah. (laughs) He was a doctor, and he always let you know on the first day of school that he had a PhD, and it was like a gift to the world that he was teaching high schoolers instead of college students. (laughs) I suspect there was some story there, but um, he would wear a red nose. Uh, Like a clown nose? Yep, and sometimes ride on a trike. Oh, well, we know why he doesn't teach college then. Yep. And also, if you were caught chewing gum, he'd make you stick it behind your ear or put it on your nose. Oh, interesting. I put it on my nose. Okay. My English teachers were always interesting, too. One was caught sleeping with her student. Ew. The other... Gross. What is wrong with a person that they would want to hook up with a teenager? (laughs) (laughs) The other was a raging alcoholic who always kept whiskey in his coffee mug and everybody knew it. That was the math teacher. No, no, no. That was my English teacher. Oh, I had a math teacher that did yeah, that. Yeah, the ma- oh, the math teacher did too. I know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. He had a green thermos. <laughs> yeah, no, this one was my English teacher and he had a little coffee mug. Oh, yeah. gravy. What high school did we go to? We went to like rock and roll high. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Okay, so back to this English class. All the students are mad. They're peeved because parents just don't understand. Now let's go to a town meeting. And all of the adults are worried about the danger of corrupting their youths. And turns out, rightfully so. Yeah, we meet the PTA leader of this whole resistance and fight against the, uh, the, the corruption of rock music. She's a middle-aged lady played by Julie Adams, but she's actually from Creature from the Black Lagoon. 
Yeah, this was a big score for John Fasano because that was the first horror movie he ever saw. So this was like a dream come true to work with her. Cute. And she was probably only like 35, but they made her look like she's a thousand. Yeah, and I really like that he does this because he did that with Adam West in Zombie Nightmare. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I like that he brings in these random, like, like other old act- actors. Yeah. He was doing the Rob Zombie before Rob Zombie was. Way cooler, too. Way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, two of our high school students that are 30-year-olds, Julie and Johnny, they're on a walk. Johnny wants to hook up with Julie, but it kind of seems like Julie has the hots for her English teacher, Mr. Morehouse. Although, we'll explore that later. So I can tell you why Johnny is struggling to get Julie's attention. Because uh, he keeps hanging on poles. He loves poles. <laughs> it was so distracting. <laughs> what is he doing? Like I get that actors just kind of riff on the set and try and like play the character as they see fit, live in the moment. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's a method actor. But his method was like holding on to poles and squatting a lot. Actually, this struck me <laughs> while we laughed about it. I thought back on it. And realized it was authentic because one of the guys I dated before you, don't worry, it's okay. It didn't work out. He would hang on a pole and pretend that the wind was blowing him sideways. But it was his weird way of showing off that he was strong. And I thought it was dumb. Oh, well, this guy doesn't show off any strength. He just squats while holding a pole a lot. Yeah. What's up with that? Really distracting. Weird. So, Julie, obviously unimpressed, like all girls would be with boys who hang on poles. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe. Maybe it's your thing. I don't know. But it doesn't work for Julie. And she's not having it. Doesn't want to date him. So, he decides to up the ante, and I think he steals a jar of paint. (laughs) Yeah, this was very low-level criminal behavior. And, like, just sets it on the ground. He does. Well, he says he's going to paint the town red. Yeah. And then actually gets red paint. But that's it. He only opens the top and then runs off. So he's he's in big trouble, mister. He does not paint the town red. He just squats by poles. (laughs) That's right. And steals paint. What did you think of him, our lead, Johnny? I don't think he's the lead. I think Mr. Morehouse is the lead. Well, he's like the lead teen, though, him and Julie. And I feel like he reminds me kind of like a sub Scott Bayo type you know the weird bowl haircut and yeah just that 80 style preppy dude. but he's supposed to be a metalhead um he seems more like he listens to journey he does seem like he listens to journey for sure yep but he does make a custom vest that's mm. awesome his like little battle vest to wear to the concert is he, not puff paint necessarily but it's the craft paint that yeah. you get yeah <laughs> Did like, you ever make a craft paint vest? A lot of people did this in the punk scene, and I wasn't in the punk scene, where you'd get the kind of white markers and stuff and just draw your band uh, names and logos. That wasn't really my thing. I was more patches and pens, like straightforward. I would put, you know, like spikes and stuff through my my vest, but I, no, I never really drew on stuff. That was... I had friends that did that, where they'd get their leather jacket, and then they would use white paint to, like, paint a logo or a mm-hmm. band name on the back or something. And he does that kind of, but it seems more crafty, <laughs> like like mom's crafts. Mm-hmm. But he does the black roses skull and rose on the back of his vest, and it's actually really cool. I, I did like that little touch. That's cool. In uh, in elementary school, I um, I got white shoes, and I wanted people to sign them. I okay. wanted all my friends to sign them, but I didn't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wonder why. So I signed my own shoes. Oh no, that's so sad. <laughs> that, was it. that explains so much. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> oh, I would have signed your shoes. No, you wouldn't have. But I also made a puff paint shirt. <laughs> oh, I I believe that one hundred percent. Would still wear a puff paint shirt and a dolphin. Yeah, you were a real cool kid. I know, I know, I know. Okay, let's go to the concert. It's time. It's time for this freak flag to fly. We go to the concert. The band starts to play. The PTA group is there with the mayor, the angry mom, the English teacher. The Damien comes out and he's wearing like a white, um, like a, I don't know, not a raincoat, but like a trench coat of some sort. Oh, he looks Pure so white. dorky. 
And they play like a super mellow song and the adults are like, oh, never mind. We overreacted. It's fine. Bye-bye. And they all leave. Although as they're leaving, Mr. Morehouse, the English teacher, makes weird long eye contact with Damien and then he leaves and then instantly Damien's like guess what now I'm wearing like a leather strappy unitard yeah they go from it's like on the outside he's dressed like he's in striper singing for the lord like rocking for the lord and then the second the parents leave and approve that this is like not bad music Mm -hmm. he rips off his outfit and becomes (laughs) blacky lawless and is like ready to raise hell oh yeah literally so good so let's this is a good time, I guess, we should stop and talk about the music. Because okay. really, this entire movie centers around Black Roses, the band. Mm-hmm. Which, weirdly, the band doesn't have a huge role in this movie. No, I, that's another thing that I was surprised by, too. Like, one of the things that I like about Hard Rock Zombies is that all the band members get their own little moment. Yeah, they have, like, a personality. Yeah, it's fun. Mm-hmm. They get to do their little walks and their revenge and stuff. It does bother me that none of these guys get to kind of have their their lines or do anything like that. We no. only really follow Damien. However, when you have heavy metal horror or rock exploitation in general, it's a toss up. Sometimes you get like really great music that goes along with the soundtrack, and sometimes you get horrible music. Usually it's somewhere in between where it's got, you know, one or two really good tracks and then a couple duds, but Black Rose is another reason why this rises to the top of the list for a lot of people who like this genre is that the soundtrack itself is really, really good. I have it I have it on vinyl. I've got all these on vinyl, but this is one of my favorite ones. Yeah, it's funny. As we were listening to it, I was like, oh, I've heard this before. Yeah, yeah. You definitely know the yeah. music. I've played it a lot. But this is a very consistent soundtrack. Like Trick or Treat, um, Rocktober Blood... Those those are good ones, and this is a good one. These are all stacked with really good music. The soundtrack itself was kind of made up of a... There were a couple bands on there. Lizzie Borden has a song. Hollow's Eve has a song. These are all bands that were really doing their thing in the 80s. But the band Black Roses itself isn't necessarily a super group, but it is a, a group of actual musicians that recorded four original songs for this soundtrack. Hmm. And... When I was looking into it, it was interesting because I've always loved the music, but I never really kind of gave it any thought as to who was in the band. Surprisingly, that seems like something I would obsess about. Yeah. So John Fasano, because of the success of uh, Zombie Nightmare and especially of Rock and Roll Nightmare, they were able to do the soundtrack. I have the soundtrack on vinyl of Rock and Roll Nightmare 2, but it's called The Edge of Hell. That's the release that I have with Thor, his band The Tritons were the ones that did all that. And he saw the success of being able to make money off of the soundtrack, too. So he, when before this movie was even written, he said that they had a soundtrack in mind. Like, they wanted to be able to release the Mm -hmm. music. So that's why they got a couple good bands on there. But he also wanted to make sure that the band Black Roses was, like, an actual good band. And I think that this is one of the biggest pluses and benefits to Black Roses is it is definitely a real band that you're listening to. Real musicians who know how definitely to professional together. musicians, not people pretending to like you know be in a metal band at the time. Don't you dare, Eric will sniff it out. <laughs> so, Black Roses actually came to be from the legendary rock drummer of the '80s, Carmine Apice, who people would know him because he was. He was huge. He was one of Rod Stewart's main drummers, but he also worked for Ozzy and Paul Stanley and all these guys. He was like a session drummer, or he would pop in on a song or two. He also formed his own band called King Cobra. Cool. And that's important because he then was in charge of enlisting the the musicians to create Black Ah, Roses. And he was well connected. Very well connected. And he immediately turned to his own band, King Cobra. So half the band is his band. You get uh, Mick Sweeta, who was the guitarist, and Mark Free, who later would uh, change to uh, Marcy Free now. But that's the lead singer who does an outstanding job on this soundtrack. That's one thing about mm-hmm. uh, 80s metal soundtracks. If you're going to have a fictitious band, 
that singer better be good. And uh, I, I will say that the Black Roses soundtrack, the vocals are fantastic. Yeah. Same with Hard Rock Zombies. I think that just really good. And Fastway doing Trick or Treat. That's why these all rise to yeah. the top. Uh, Sorcery doing Rocktober Blood. So you got two members of King Cobra as well as, as Carmine playing drums. So it's three of his, his own bandmates doing that. And then it was rounded out by Chuck Wright, who was the bass player for Quiet Riot. And then their big grab, who only was on maybe two of the tracks, was guitarist Alex Massey, who was in Dark Lord. And he was like this virtuoso guitarist. So that's who made up the actual group Black wow. Roses, which is cool. I think that that's really interesting. I I really appreciate the effort that went into forming an actual band for the soundtrack. You yeah. know, the songs themselves... They're jams. They're good. I mean, they're not breaking any new ground, no. but you solid. Can, yeah, they're really solid. Absolutely. have three more concerts to go because this band wants to like lay it on thick on <laughs> yeah. mill basin and as we learn the students who are attending the concerts they're getting a little rowdier with every show and they're like starting to act out and like sass their English teacher. Oh, yeah. And it just starts to kind of turn to pure chaos eventually. Yes, but we get our first death and it's such a solid death. It's really good. So we have one of the teens. He's got like a cool flat top look. And he is like listening to his music. And his dad comes in and tries to turn off the music. So there's a record on the record player. And it starts like bubbling. And then the speaker starts throbbing. And I'm yeah. A monster, like sort of scorpion-esque monster. Yeah, it's like a spider scorpion. Yeah, leaps out, hops on his face. Yeah. And pulls him, the dad, who is also from The Sopranos, if if you... Yeah, I think this was his first role. Sweet. <laughs> I haven't seen The Sopranos, so it means Yeah, I'm not a Sopranos person either, but uh, I'm sure that everybody knows who this is. You know what's weird is, I was like, I bet that dad's from The Sopranos. I totally thought that too. I was like, this guy is definitely on The Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen a single episode. Yeah. Um, anyway, he is pulled by this, you know, spider scorpion back into the speaker and it slowly like pulls him all the way like first his torso then his legs and then his foot and then it burps yeah what did so you think good. of this first so time watch cool you were enjoying this oh it was great this is what you want right yeah. this is like the dream in a horror movie is to have just the ridiculous it's really fun. It's it's yeah. just so much fun what's happening in this film. It's very Absolutely. rewatchable for that reason. Yeah, so fun. Because you can like zone out and just joke in between. Once you've got the basics, you can come back and just enjoy it when you know the highlights, the hot takes come. Yeah, but we're getting the sense that the kids are going, they're starting to go a little mad now. Yeah, so let's go to Mr. Morehouse. He goes home, he kicks back with a beer, listens to classical music, and the kids go to their second concert so they yes. get another dose and we get some more band shots after the concert though the kids come out rowdy somebody throws like a brick or something through mr morehouse's car window yeah it's we're starting to really the the town's starting to turn to chaos yeah and we're you know their soundtrack is just kicking by the way so the lizzie borden track on here is me against the world which is really good mm -hmm. um there's just so, it just, it flows really well. It, yes. it feels like a rock and roll movie. Although we have to say here, Mr. Morehouse uses this broken window. He like gets in his car. He starts driving through town and he is like bearing witness to all these youths who are like beating people up and fighting. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this isn't normal. And then we get the scene where I think this is probably what you were talking about earlier with having another writer because he goes to his ex-girlfriend's house and it's the mayor's daughter, but she's a full-grown woman and she's living in this house and she's like scrapbooking. I think it's that's Lou Ferrigno's wife, by the way. Really? <laughs> 
for okay. what it's worth. Anyway. She plays the character Priscilla, and this is only important because her character comes back around later and plays a fairly important but brief role. But it's very strange because they try to give him a backstory. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like... You know, she's jealous of his relationship with his teacher pet student, Julie. And it, like, talks about how he had big dreams and now he's just settled to be a teacher. It's really weird because it goes nowhere. And it tells me that there are more than one voice. Or there is more than one voice going into this. So that's, I would say, nitpicking this film. That's where it's like, why? Why? You know, like... It's a little inconsistent. Back off. We don't need that. We don't need that. Um, And then Johnny, remember pole dancer Johnny, he goes goes home after the concert. His dad, who's actually a pretty cool dad, is like... Super cool. He's like, hey, how's the concert? And Johnny's like, whatever, you know, F you, dad. And he goes, gets in bed. He's smoking in bed, which is really stupid because smoking causes lung cancer. And also, if you fall asleep in bed with a cigarette, that's a bad thing. So he's made two bad choices. Okay, yeah. But he's doing that. And then a nude chick with big hair comes in. She seduces him disappears like a post-coital disappearance yeah sexy demon and then he kills his dad yeah that's really uncalled for i uh, was very upset because his dad was pretty cool he this was is... his dad was cooler than he is oh by, for sure by 97 times yeah for sure that he should have given his dad the vest with the black roses logo on it yeah the naked chick should have visited the dad and just left oh. johnny smoking in bed <laughs> totally to oh. burn to death yeah <laughs> The end. <laughs> well, anyway, pole dance and Johnny. You know what's crazy is this is probably the scene for me every time I watch this where the tone is really kind of a little intense. Yeah. It goes a little little to 11 quickly right there. Yeah. And I can tell there's something that's not um, correlating between what the original plan of the film was versus the final product. Yeah, that wasn't very campy. Like, the nude lady, campy. Shooting the dad, it was like, I don't like that. Because the dad was cool. But let's go to some teen girls who are full adult women. They go, and it's Jamie and Tina. They're at Tina's house. (laughs) Tina is another sexy blonde. Jamie's a sexy brunette. They've come home from the concert. And Tina goes upstairs to sleep while Jamie seduces Tina's dad through strip gin. Yeah, that's really weird. To the point of giving him a heart attack. Okay. I I guess that's believable. All right, so let's escalate this. The next day at school, all the students just start chanting Damien. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty funny. Like, it escalates. And the English teacher's like, wait, 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 wait. I think I'm putting something together here. Yeah, he's a real... He's he's a a real sleuth, yeah. Is this before or after? I can't remember if it was before the last concert or the one before it, when he goes and approaches Damien. I think it was right after the first one. Yeah, it was. And I didn't realize it was Damien because he has different hair. I thought it was like the band manager or something. Yeah, this is when I'm like, oh, he's wearing a wig. He doesn't have the long, weird, mullet-feathered hair. Well, we'll see that later. (laughs) Yeah, but he does have different hair. Yeah, and he actually had revealed, Damien revealed to Mr. Morehouse that he had known his soul a long time and it was like calm down bud i felt like there was a missed opportunity in that scene by the way when damien's talking I, this is where he really does shine as an actor i think both of them did a really good job here he okay so even though i don't quite buy him as like a rock god Mm-mm. he pulls the sleazy kind of cult leader religious person really well yes i was like wow he's really believable as one of those youth ministers that's got deeper plans, you know. Uh, yep. He really did have that delivery. So yeah. that was a good scene, actually. All right. So let's go back to school. Remember Jamie, whose... Dad was just seduced to death? I think it was Tina, actually. One of them. It doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter. They're all the one names. who's The one whose dad was seduced to death, she goes to the principal, and he tries to, like, console her, but he's super out of touch, which was kind of relatable. But he... 
is like, um, I encourage you to show your feelings. And she's like, I just want to open the window and scream. And he's like, um, yeah, I think you should do that. And he goes and opens the window and then she shoves him out of it and he screams and she oh, yeah. congratulates him on his scream. Oh, and she does a little quick flash of turning into a demon. It's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> it's great. Very solid. All right, we're now at night three of concerts. So we're like halfway through. So they actually discussed this in the film, which I appreciated. I think it was the English teacher that asked, like, why are you here? And he says, well, why are you here teaching English? It's basically a good place to start because it's a small town. Yeah, they're like just trying it out. Yeah, they're going to try out, kind of work out the kinks of their tour before they start on their national tour. So they're playing multiple dates. Yeah, and they kind of go like, we had one other show, but that didn't go so well. Yeah, I did like that. It was the show with the monsters, but... (laughs) It was pretty funny, actually. Yeah, so they're like... Getting their footing, their tour footing. But we're like multiple concerts in now. Yeah, this is number three. And Damien is like straight up off the rails at this point. I love it. The audience is out of control. It's wonderful. Let's skip from here to a nipple rubbing scene. This nipple rubbing scene cracks me up. Okay. First of all, who... I mean, we learn later, but for a very long time, I was like... Whose nipples are being rubbed? Oh, yeah. It is not even kind of the same body or hand. It's like old people you hands. Like you a, don't see a head. I love scenes like this when the body double is so incredibly bad that you just laugh at it. Well, it's not bad. Like, good job. You have lovely nipples. No, no, not like the, the body's bad, but it just doesn't match. It's a lot of nipple rubbing that happens. Also, and it's supposed to be for our lead teen, who's Julie. <laughs> just not that not that person so yeah i was like is it julie and then she we we go to a scene of julie so i'm assuming it was julie yeah because she's like sexy now yeah so now she switches to rubbing her stepdad's shoulders and then transitions to beating him to death with the world's heaviest ashtray yes so the next morning the english teacher i guess he's like working on a premonition here he goes he he fell asleep at the school and then he goes to julie's house which honestly if your teen daughter's teacher shows up first thing in the morning after your husband has been murdered i'd have a few questions yeah there's a weird relationship to begin with here yep. so he has weirdly driven there and julie's mom is waiting for the police because obviously she discovered her dead husband's body <laughs> yeah so the English teacher goes looking for Julie. But meanwhile, this is where we come back to the mayor's daughter and Mr. Morehouse's ex-girlfriend, Priscilla, who apparently loves tennis. She has finished playing tennis, gets in her car, and Julie's in the back seat, ready to do a pretty graphic throat slitting scene. Isn't it weird, too, that there just seems to be no issues with the mayor's daughter being, like, in her 40s living at home with her dad? I don't know. I mean, in, in this day and age, it's kind of makes sense. But... Yeah, it's normal now, but I would think in the 80s that would have been like, wait, what? What's happening? <laughs> Why is this person not leaving the basement? Well, I mean, she seemed weird. She did seem weird. Okay, but she's dead now. And now, Julie... She has to finish her journey. She goes to Mr. Morehouse's house. Oh, this is quite a scene. (laughs) Of course, we've got to start with her bargaining chip. She shows him her nipples, her (laughs) well-rubbed nipples. Yes, well, she's been working on them. And he responds, strangely, by slapping her. (laughs) Yeah, that is pretty good. That's a nice response. I mean... It's kind of appropriate. A teacher should definitely yeah, you gotta say no thank some you. Distance. I wouldn't slap as a teacher professionally, but evacuate. Get out of there pretty yep. quick. Um, and then she transforms. Oh, she transforms into, if you know, if you own the VHS on the back of the box, you'll see the image. But Her neck elongates. Oh, it's just this great, fun creature. What yeah. did you think of this creature? Oh, that's, I looked at the back of the box and was like, we're watching this now. Yeah, it's really fun. The way it moves around and it's goofy. I think it's still got boobs. <laughs> it's really great. It absolutely does. I love when uh, creatures still have boobs. That makes, always makes me laugh. Yes, she retains her. Her, her breasts and so she's basically a long-necked nipple monster with no hair yeah but he beats her with a tennis club and then kills her yeah what well, so it's 
it's we're believed to to think that anna also shoves a tennis ball in her mouth oh that's funny i like that scene <laughs> like why is there a tennis theme here i don't know okay why not he he wins though mr morehouse prevails and next he's he goes to the store he buys gas and dynamite and he goes to concert number four i thought it was dynamite but I think it's just flares because... I don't know. They're red sticks. Who cares? I think there must be a combination because there's... Well, we'll get to it later. Okay. Well, he buys red sticks. Okay, there we go. And gasoline. And he goes to concert number four, which is at this point now just a full-on cult situation. Oh, with great. Damien, like, preaching to these teen monsters yeah and it's like a rager too they're ready to go the teacher just walks in like walks right up to the stage pours gas and then everybody's like oh yeah and kind of capture him but that's after he's like thrown like a gallon of gas across the stage damien now pulls off his wig and transforms fully into his monster form good it's really fun the band does too yeah, they're all now demons, like full demons. Yeah. Battling one English teacher. And yeah, we have some monster punching. Uh, Mr. Morehouse sets the band on fire, but everybody kind of escapes. The kids seem to kind of snap out of it with a fire around. Yeah, they're like, where's my mom? And the band plays on. Yeah. And they're raging Inferno because they're from hell. That's they don't right. care about fire, flares, or dynamite. And we think the the movie is done there, but we get a little news broadcast at the end that shows that the Black Roses have started their tour. Yeah, it's like six months in the future. It's so fun. It's such a fun way to end the film. Yep. Five nights at Madison Square Garden. Yep. The film overall is super solid. The soundtrack is super solid. So let's talk about kind of what what happened afterwards. Okay. So first off, and, and most important, like I mentioned, this whole film was conceptualized around releasing a soundtrack, right? Mm-hmm. So the soundtrack did come out, and that is part of this week's fun fact. Woohoo! Okay, one thing I did notice when I had the soundtrack, uh, my record there, it was put out by Metal Blade Records, who... Uh, kind of most people will know they have bands on their roster like Cannibal Corpse and Guar and there I told you they'd come back up there we are King Diamond Lizzie Borden so that makes sense why they would be on the soundtrack but it's like Metal Blade is a legit record label metal label and they're the ones who put out the Black Roses soundtrack I thought that was pretty cool (laughs) but when I was just digging around in their roster, like, who else has ever been on, on Metal Blade? Because there's been so many great bands on there. One stood out in particular, and that's what I'm getting to for the fun fact. Would you like to know who was signed for multiple albums early in their career Ooh. to Metal Blade Records that has bands like Cannibal Corpse and Six Feet Under and all these? Mm-hmm. The Goo Goo Dolls. Uh... <laughs> Which I have to take time to shout out to our guy Grizz from Bad Taste Video Podcast because that is a Buffalo band. So shout out to Buffalo and Grizz. Oh, so they're Grizz's best friends? Well, they're a case of hometown boys who made it. And I just thought that was hilarious because I... They originally were more of like a punk kind of band and then, you know, notoriously sold out for to become who we think of. Looks like it worked out well for it them. It worked out very well for, for them and can't blame them. However, I never knew that they were signed to Metal Blade for their first couple albums. That blew my mind. Like, Whoa. the thought of them being on the same label as Gwar makes me, like, laugh pretty hard. So, there's that week's fun fact. Man, I feel like I could name a good metal band. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear it. Bloodhammer. I'm sure Bloodhammer's already a metal band. Okay. Um, Gorsaw. <laughs> Gorsaw? Yeah. Sounds like a Russian metal band. Yeah, it is. Oh, good. Okay. They're Polish, actually. Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the album came out, which was awesome. 
But we have to get to the other fascinating aspect of Black Roses for fans of this film who may or may not know this already. What? (laughs) Okay. The film was wrapped, went really smooth. Okay. Came in $20,000 under budget. And when John Fasano presented the film to the producers, Shapiro Glickenhaus, Mm -hmm. they said, "Uh, this is boring as hell. (gasps) This is a snooze fest. And as John says, that's because Cindy's script was all about psychological horror and these kids slowly descending into madness madness and chaos and the town being corrupted from within. And he said that there, you have to kind of wrap your brain around this. The original version of Black Roses, when it was finished and presented, had no scares, no monsters whatsoever. And he said it was just not fun. It was just a really boring film. So he thought the film was just a total loss, but then realized they still had $20,000 to play with in the budget. So the producer said, do something with it. (gasps) He went back got some special effects people together and used that 20,000 to create five scenes with reshoots and everything, adding in all of the creatures and monsters and camp and everything that you love about Black Roses. And that just is insane. Thinking about the film that it was going to be versus the film that everybody knows. Like, imagine the band never turning into demons. Imagine... Weird. Never being the stereo scene with a dad getting sucked into it. All that stuff. None of that existed. Ooh, Isn't that just totally wild to think about? Yeah, that's boring. But then the film was ready to come out. And it was supposed to get a theatrical run. It didn't. It got released on home video November 1st, 1988. I don't know how it did, but... It came out, and I think it was... We're here now. ...like, awesome. (laughs) So, interesting story of how it came to be and how it kind of morphed, but it does explain some of those inconsistencies with the script Mm -hmm. and the acting and the storyline. Some of it seems a little jarring, where it's, like, super campy at one point and then really kind of dramatic and dark at other points. So, it it makes a lot of sense. Mm Mm-hmm. After Black Roses was released, John Fasano did another film called The Jitters. That's the only film of his I don't have on VHS. Jitters. What's that about? Do you know? It's about jumping vampires. Oh? Uh, like yeah. pogo sticks? Or like like uh, grasshopper vampires kind of idea. Oh, I'll watch no, that. No, no, not like they're not actual grasshoppers, but they just jump. Ugh. I really want to watch it. I've never seen it. I've been after it for a long time, and I just haven't been able to get my hands on it, so... Maybe one day I'll grab a copy of The Jitters. Uh, but as far as everything that else he's done on VHS, we have it. Because he's I just really enjoy his films a lot. So fun. They're so much fun. Okay, well, final thoughts on Black Roses. What did you think overall of this film now that you've seen it and had not seen it previously? I loved it. I will watch it again. Yeah, I thought that Damien... Did a really good job. Oh, he was in Jitters, actually. He So the guy who played Damien uh-huh. reoccurs in the next film, too. But I thought he did really good, even though I don't think he looks like a like a metalhead. He did a good job. He's a good actor for the yeah. role. He plays the part really well as that weird kind of cult leader. He's strange looking, too. He's very angular. Yeah. And unique. Yeah. And, and then I think that the English teacher does a really fantastic mm-hmm. job too so there there is some solid cast in there for sure i think everybody does okay i mean it's just not fair to cast adults as teenagers and expect them to do that well yeah they don't look like teenagers so it's a hundred percent not believable yeah but overall you've got a, a, a fun story the special effects the creature features are a blast especially at the end oh yeah I mean, it's just so over the top ridiculous and that soundtrack that score we didn't talk about the actual score we talked about the soundtrack now the score is something else oh. entirely <laughs> that was i told you as we were watching it that it sounded like 
the soundtrack to Almost Heroes, that movie from, I don't know, the early 2000s with Matthew Perry and Chris Farley, where they're like explorers that are trying to outdo Lewis and Clark. Yeah. Okay. Listeners, this is just a sidestep. This is a total guilty pleasure of ours. We, we watched love it. it. We watched this film religiously when we were in college. Whose idea was the core? Whose idea was the core? <laughs> <laughs> I think that film's hilarious. Go watch it now. Go watch Black Roses and then as a palate cleanser, watch Almost yeah. Heroes. But the score <laughs> the score is really off-putting. It feels to me like a Steven Spielberg kind of E.T. St- score. Mm-hmm. But it also adds to the campiness. That in opposition to the soundtrack, which is just like legit heavy metal from the 80s. So, yep. But the music's fantastic. So overall, it's... It's just such a great film. It's such a fun watch, and it's really, really rewatchable. Yeah. Which is what you want from an 80s horror film. Yeah. Okay, well, that being said, that's Black Roses. I hope everybody gets a chance to check it out if you haven't seen it already. And if you like what you heard, the best thing you can do, we say this every week, is... Please find us, rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends. That really helps us out a lot. Thank you to everybody who has been doing that. We've also received some really nice kind of personal messages about yeah, just how much that. people enjoy our podcast. And yeah, to be really honest right now, um, it really is nice to hear once in a while that people actually listen and they yeah. enjoy this because we're kind of off on our own little island. It's been the year of hell and your kind <laughs> yeah. words have lifted us up on a cloud of joy. Yeah, it really goes a long way. So thank you for those those nice little messages as well. Also, I want to say that while we've been chatting, I've been scrolling down some, or writing down some names. Oh, Oh, like 80s metal band names? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, these are all, before we even start, trademarked by Laser Graves. Yeah, and also remember, I had white shoes that nobody would sign, so okay, well, deal let's, with it. Oh, let's hear. So you've been doing this as we've been podcasting. Yeah. That's multitasking. I'm really good. Yeah, I will say. Let's hear them. What's, okay. what's on your list? Okay. I mean, casual. They're probably all taken. Okay, we'll see. Okay. Leather Demigod. Demon oh, Cult. Wait, 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 wait. Slow down, slow down. Leather Demigod? Mm-hmm. I like it. Demon Cult. Demon Cult's pretty good. Spider Scorpion, obviously. Oh, I like Spider Scorpion. Um, Rotten Heart, Broken Tooth. Wait, Rotten Heart? Yeah. Yeah. All right, That's I know. A dud. I feel like I feel like maybe they also sing about romance. Yeah, they sound more like a power ballad band. For sure. Yeah. Like Slaughter. Okay, Broken Tooth. Okay. I like Broken Tooth. Sounds like a punk band. I feel like, I feel, yeah, I feel it. Uh, Brain Matter, Black Soul. Oh, oh, wait, Brain Matter's cool. That's got to be a band. And finally, Blood Chain. Blood Chain's good. Okay. I'm going to go with Spider Scorpion. Yeah, it's probably the best. (laughs) But also, Rotten Heart singing some soul stuff. Yeah, that's true. They have a blues background. I would never, like, go see them or buy an album. Yeah. But I would, like, give them a head nod if I passed them in the street. Yeah. They went on tour with Great White. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, that's all we got for you this week. If you want to follow us, we're on Instagram at Laser Graves. You Mm -hmm. can listen to all the back episodes that we rattled off at the beginning of this episode at lasergraves.com because one thing that we know is, especially on iTunes, I don't know about Spotify and all that, but... It only allows you to have 100 episodes at a time. So if you want to get any of our previous, and I think this is 123 or something like that, all those other ones, if you go to lasergraves.com, you can can hear all those early episodes too. And if you would like to join us on Patreon, we have some new content coming out very soon. We have Switchblade Sisters. Yeah, the 1970s exploitation is in our time travel. Yeah, so we've got some good stuff. Go check out our back catalog. we got new stuff coming. Yeah, that's at patreon.com slash lasergraves. Yeah. All right, that's what we got for you. So we will see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks.